Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 5, Episode 19, The Pirate King. With Masakado gone, there was now only one rebel left to deal with. The scourge of the western inland sea, Fujiwara Sumitomo. While the Daijo Daikan could shrug off rebellious actions in the distant Kanto, an uprising in western Japan was another matter entirely. By the 900s, and likely before, the court had thought of Chugoku, Shikoku, and Kyushu as reliable regions filled with loyal subjects who were culturally and politically indistinguishable from the residents of Kansai. The Kanto was the frontier. Western Japan was supposed to be the stable half. Originally born to a family of local elites in Iyo province on Shikoku Island, Sumitomo was adopted by Fujiwara Yoshinori, which gave him access to higher-ranking appointments. He was appointed as the provincial secretary of his home province in the 930s, but it seems that life as a career bureaucrat did not interest this ambitious adventurer. While political power in the Kanto often revolved around who controlled large tracts of farmland, power in western Japan had shifted to control over trade routes in the inland sea between Kyushu, Shikoku, and western Honshu. While Heian-kyo was not a coastal city, it lay near the ocean-connected Yodo River, and thus the goods owed to the capital in tribute tax could be brought more quickly and safely by sea than by the bandit-infested highways. Naturally, as goods became more frequently moved over the waters, piracy became a growing and lucrative trade. Seizing a golden opportunity, Sumitomo left his official post and began organizing the pirates of Iyo into a more effective plundering force. Exactly how he accomplished this is lost to history for now, but we know that by 936 the imperial court was aware of his hand in plundering settlements all around the inland sea, using a fleet which was allegedly 1,000 boats strong. Seeking to bring him back into the fold of official bureaucrats, the imperial court officially deputized Sumitomo to hunt his compatriots down. In addition, they appointed Ki Yoshito, then serving as governor of Iyo, to pursue and punish pirates himself. Rather than launching a massive protracted naval war in the inland sea, however, Yoshito announced amnesty to any pirates who turned themselves in, and he kept his word, giving the former buccaneers seed, land to tend, and even teaching them how to farm. In 939, however, Sumitomo decided to reverse course big time, not only returning to his former ways of piracy, but directly challenging the authority of the Daijo Daikon in an open rebellion. He dispatched agents to travel to Heian-kyo and set fire to random homes and buildings at night, which filled the city with anxiety and terror. Two assistant governors of Bizen province, located in Chugoku, or western Honshu, heard rumors that Sumitomo was behind the arson. Named Fujiwara Kotaka and Fujiwara Koremiki, they traveled to Heian-kyo to report this to the Great Council of State themselves. 
Sumitomo's spies brought him word of their quest, and he intercepted them in Setsu province, just to the northwest of Heian-kyo. Many of their traveling companions were murdered after surrendering to Sumitomo's ambush. Those who surrendered were unceremoniously executed, save for Fujiwara Koretaka. Sumitomo had something special planned for this assistant governor. After Sumitomo's men cut off his ears and nose, he was sent on his way to complete his journey. The court flew into a panic when the mutilated assistant governor arrived at the capital and informed them of Sumitomo's treachery. Shortly after this shockingly savage display, word came to the court of Masakado's seizure of the eastern provinces. The terrified Kuge connected this event with Sumitomo's open rebellion and came to a premature conclusion. The two men must be working together. Many accounts that you will find through Googling repeat this claim that Masakado and Sumitomo worked as compatriots hell-bent on conquering the entire nation in a massive coordinated rebellion. Dr. Friday admits that the possibility exists given the existence of Sumitomo's vast intelligence network, but remains skeptical of any real coordination. An account written hundreds of years after related a moment in 936 when Masakado and Sumitomo met on Mount Hiei and plotted their rebellion, but this is clearly a later exaggeration which has little basis in fact. Ironically, Sumitomo seems to have achieved by accident what Masakado had been trying to obtain on purpose, an offer of reconciliation. The government offered him a promotion to junior fifth rank lower grade, a higher rank than any of his recent ancestors had managed to achieve. At the same time, they appointed seaborne deputies to pursue and arrest pirates, specifically named Sumitomo's evil followers, but not specifically naming Sumitomo himself. They made this offer around the time that Masakado's army was being defeated and his followers were being hunted down in the spring of 940. The court breathed a sigh of relief as Sumitomo acknowledged his promotion, but six months later the pirate king reassembled his massive fleet and raided Iyo province, plundering and burning its provincial capital. He and his pirates then proceeded on a raiding tour of the eastern inland sea, attacking and plundering various provincial government compounds of Chugoku, Shikoku, and Kyushu. The Great Council of State now understood that this matter would not be settled with diplomacy or bribes, so they appointed Ono Yoshifuru as their special deputy to pursue and capture pirates in the southwest. For his second-in-command, the court appointed Minamoto Tsunemoto, who, now that he had been released from his confinement and promoted and apologized to, was ready to fight some rebels. What followed was mostly an extended game of cat and mouse, with freshly built government fleets spotting Sumitomo's forces and giving chase, only to be outrun or occasionally drawn into lethal traps. This continued throughout the end of 940, but in early 941, Yoshifuru caught a break. One of Sumitomo's captains defected and joined with the government fleet, giving them priceless information regarding the locations of their hideouts and their preferred sea routes. Fujiwara Kunikaze, one of Yoshifuru's captains, proceeded to plunder the various hideouts and homesteads of the pirates, 
dealing a crushing blow to the morale of Sumitomo's men. In spring of 941, a few months after the betrayal, Sumitomo won his most impressive victory by landing a large force in Chikuzen province on Kyushu and then maneuvering them as an army into an attack on Dazaifu fortress. The local guards appeared to have been taken completely by surprise, and the fortress itself was looted and burned to the ground. It is said that many national treasures were stolen from Dazaifu that day. No doubt many were rare goods from foreign lands, both contemporary and ancient. A furious Ono Yoshifuru dispatched as many ships as he could gather toward Kyushu, hoping to catch Sumitomo while his warriors were still glutting themselves on the treasures of the fortress and its surrounding settlements. Sumitomo, in fact, was trying to set another trap, and had anchored his fleet in the open in Hakata Bay, practically sending Yoshifuru an engraved invitation. Yoshifuru proved a very canny commander in this instance, however, and made it very clear that Sumitomo was underestimating him. He ordered a large portion of his fleet to guard the outlet of Hakata Bay, while he took several boatloads of armed warriors to a nearby landing site, assembled them for battle, then led them to the ruins of Dazaifu, where Sumitomo's men were still gathered. Sumitomo probably thought that his superior numbers would carry the day, but his forces soon became overwhelmed with the sheer volume of arrow volleys from the foot archers. Samurai armor at the time was very protective against arrows, but the pirates were probably only lightly armored and unaccustomed to fighting on land. I also wonder whether the pirates had access to the standing shields used by the government troops, but I could not find any information confirming or denying such tactics among them. Shortly after the archery exchange began, Sumitomo's troops began to rout, each seeking out his ship and trying to make a quick getaway. Of course, as they tried to leave the bay, they were blocked by Yoshifuru's armada, who made short work of the terrified buccaneers. The pirate king himself evaded capture for the moment, but was apprehended two weeks later after returning to his home province of Iyo on Shikoku. He was taken into custody decapitated, and his head paraded through the capital just as Masakado's had been. One lasting consequence of Sumitomo's piracy was the evisceration of the Tachibana clan. They had been cultivating regional power in Iyo province, but the pirate king's raids on Shikoku and Iyo province in particular caused the deaths of many Tachibana as well as the general scattering of those established alongside local elites. It is somewhat fitting, then, that Sumitomo's eventual capture and execution was performed by Tachibana Toyasu. It was a bittersweet victory for those Tachibana who remained, and the Kuge clan would never recover its former level of power and political influence. Another side note in these rebellions is the story of Fujiwara Tadabumi. Appointed as Seito Taishogun, general who pacifies the East, in 940 and sent to Kanto to crush Masakado and his followers, Tadabumi arrived after Fujiwara Hidesato and Taira Sadamori had already won their great victory and taken Masakado's head. While Ono Yoshifuru had been appointed to wrangle Fujiwara Sumitomo, the court believed that a stronger measure might be needed, and so they sought to appoint someone as Seisei Taishogun, the general who subdues the West. So they selected, perhaps you can guess, 
Fujiwara Tadabumi. He embarked with his massive fleet, ready to hunt this western rebel across the ocean if need be, only to discover when he arrived on Kyushu that the rebellion had once again been crushed already. The court was wise enough to grant him some reward, including rank promotion, after he returned to the capital, likely as a consolation prize since he had not received any reward for his efforts otherwise. Thus, Tadabumi maintained a stellar record as a war leader, having never lost a single battle. The rebellions, both east and west, that threatened the harmony of Heian-kyo had been finally nullified in 941, and the government breathed a sigh of relief. This was not, however, where Masakado's story ended. To this day, he is blamed for earthquakes, tsunamis, and other disasters. Stories would spread of how his daughter, Takiyasha, lived among the ruins of his homestead practicing witchcraft, and depictions of her often include a frog, a visual pun which is lost on most non-Japanese. The word for frog in Japanese is kairu. The spoken word can also be used as a verb which means return. In an effort to prevent his returning from the grave to seek vengeance, the court sent Masakado's head home to the Kanto region where he became a restless spirit. Many stories and legends cropped up afterward both about him and his enemies Hidesato and Sadamori, but if you want to read about them, you'll have to buy Dr. Friday's excellent book, The First Samurai. Next time, we will explore the art and poetry of the early Heian period in a special bonus episode. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan. 